The countdown's on for SASDOC USA taking place 31st of May to the 2nd of June 2023 in the neon-lit Silicon Hills of Austin, Texas. It's no secret 2023 is expected to bring its fair share of difficult times for SAS leaders, but you'll find no doom and gloom here. SASDOC USA will arm you and your team with the content, connections, and conversations you need to battle the headwinds, remain competitive, and lead from the front. And you'll leave with the playbook to an unstoppable SaaS company. With 800 SaaS founders, their exec teams, and 100 investors in attendance, confirmed speakers so far, including the new CEO of Drift, Scott Ernst, the one and only Noah Kagan, who's the CEO of AppSumo, for those that don't know, and Caroline Betts, the CEO of Betts. There'll be tons of networking opportunities, learnings, pipeline building, and good old SaaStock fun across the city of Austin. I'm so excited for this event. Our early bird ticket sale ends 31st of January. So buy now, save over $350. Head over to sasdoc.com forward slash sasdoc-usa and use the code SASREV, that's S-A-A-S-R-E-V, for some extra savings for our listeners. See you there. I can't wait. Sastock USA, bring it on. Four different groups of ideas for how we can be more efficient. One, just collaboration. Now is not the time to turn on each other. Two, shoot at richer targets. Let's go figure out faster, higher, bigger. Deploy more resources. Who can we move into a job that generates revenue or, or towards that direction? And then finally, do all the standard stuff you're probably doing to improve efficiency. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Before we jump in, let's just say, does any of this sound familiar? The board wants to approve the plan by the end of December. We need to keep up our high growth rate, of course, but we need to extend our cash runway and improve our rule of 40 score. So we're going to need to improve our productivity. Right? Could I be your CFO right now? I could be, right? This is exactly what they're saying. But R&D is kind of fixed if we want to deliver on the roadmap. GNA is running tight already. Cogs, well, there's not much we can do there. So that really leaves sales and marketing. To which you say, what? <laughs> Wait a minute, we're about to get all of the burden imposed on sales and marketing, right? And that can be pretty scary. If you've done it before, it's okay. But uh, some of us have been through this because this is the way it feels. You're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, we, we have to go fix all of this for the whole company and we need to do it in this pretty scary macro environment, right? Where people are missing forecasts, pipeline is evaporating. Um, so this is not an easy challenge and if, uh, you find it intimidating, you're not alone. So how do you respond to this, right? When the, when the boss comes to you and says that, or if you are the boss and you say that to, to your e-staff, how are they supposed to respond? And I want to first talk about two things that don't work, and then we'll talk about things that do work, uh, because it's pretty common. I mean, this is a very common response to this problem. I call it the Excel-induced hallucination. 
right? Because we, we have some funnel model. And basically, the philosophy is if we do a scooch here and a tad there and a smidgen here, then we can make the model work, right? So we'll whip out our handy funnel model, and we'll look at last year's actuals and say, gosh, our contact to MQL conversion rate was 15% last year. We could just give a little scooch up to 17. Um, what else? Our MQL to sal rate was 10% last year, just a little tweak up to 11. Right? Our sal to SQL was 65. We could just do that up to 70. SQL to close, 15 to 17. And ASP, gosh, it's 50, but we should be able to get it to 54. Right? And the reason this is so dangerous is with just those changes, you get an 86% change <laughs> in ARR. Right? And that should terrify you, because you're like, hey, wait a minute, I just changed things a percent here, a percent there, and all of a sudden, because this stuff compounds, right? And when you look at it in, in percentage terms, right, not in absolute percents, but percents of percents, right, those are not one or two percent little differences. Those are 10% differences. And you're compounding 10% differences. And I just think this is a very dangerous, dangerous path to go down. And whenever I see one of these, I think there's one right way to do it, which is for each line, having accountability and a plan. So who's responsible for getting contact to MQL from 15 to 17, and how are they going to do it? And I think this can work if you sanity check the result, like is 86% just crazy, which it probably is, um, and then line by line, you don't just assume magic, but, but you make a plan and an owner for increasing these rates. And by the way, they take a long time. I work with one company that had a 4% SQL to close rate, and it took us over a year to get it to eight. Right? So, so you can't just <laughs> pop it uh, overnight. So I think you need to be realistic on the time frame. So I'm going to argue the Excel-induced hallucination actually can work if done properly, but a lot of people are in a hurry, and they just make those little tweaks and they assume it's going to be okay. So the other thing that doesn't work is kind of everyone for themselves, that we just say, oh, it's chaos, and we're going to let sales, marketing, services, and customer success just kind of duke it out in the budgeting process, and we'll see what happens. Every VP fights on behalf of their own department, and why doesn't this work? I mean, first, it's obviously bad teamwork, right? We're, we're, we're kind of putting four people into a zero-sum game uh, and saying someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. More importantly, sales usually wins, okay? <laughs> why? They're the best negotiators, right? They better be. If they're not your best negotiators, you have an entirely different problem, right? <laughs> so sales is the best negotiator. They have the most leverage. They have the quota. Right? CEOs, whether they want to admit it or not, secretly feel like putting money in sales is a more direct way of buying growth. Everything else is indirect. And, and they probably don't want to admit that, but they do. So you have that built-in bias. So what happens, and the way I look for this, because no one ever wants to admit this is happening, is I have some metrics where you can actually find out if this is happening. And here it is. I call it the sales to marketing expense ratio. And all I do is just divide sales expense by marketing expense, 
Or you could do this for customer service expense, right, or customer success expense as well. You could look at ARR per head or ARR per CSM. There's a lot of different ways to look at this, but this is not an uncommon situation in my experience, where that ratio for the past three years has been 1.7, 1.8, right? If you look at sales as a percent of sales and marketing, for three years, 63%, 65, 66, all pretty constant, right? And then boom, in next year's plan, that ratio jumps to 2.7. Sales is now 73% of sales and marketing. And that last line is a lot of fun. What percent of incremental sales and marketing spend went to sales? And in this example, 86% of it. So this was clearly a kind of Darwinian budget process, right, in my opinion, uh, where, where sales won because they have the odds in their favor. And the problem with this, I mean, there's two problems with this. One, it's kind of a Pyrrhic victory because if this is what happens, you end up not supporting sales adequately, right? So no one actually wins. Sales kind of wins the battle but loses the war. Um, and the other thing, that, that's bad about it is, um, what do I want to say? It, it's just basically not, it's not good for teamwork. It's not people working together to solve problems, right? It's people competing with each other, and sales is likely going to win, and when they win, you have this. And this is a, a CEO's or a CMO's view. Those are newly hired salespeople, right? And, and that's what they do. We, they, they hatch from the onboarding program, and then they look up in the air, and they want someone to put pipeline in them. Right? <laughs> so, and we can have a bunch of, they're actually baby robins, uh, this is how it works. But, but that's the way I think of newly hired sellers, right? We can go hire newly hired sellers, but if we don't have onboarding, we don't have pipeline, we don't have support resources, they're all just going to sit there and look up, and all we've done is put a lot of baby robins in the nest that can't feed themselves, right? And that's not good, and that's why I call it a Pyrrhic victory, because sales wins, but they lose because these people in the end are not successful. So we need to come at this with a bigger picture. And we, we basically, I tell a lot of companies this right now, we need to be kind of the three musketeers. There's actually four of them, or, or the four musketeers, <laughs> right? Uh, where it's sales, marketing, success, and services, and it's one for all and all for one for ARR. And that's actually the advice. You, you might think you're doing it. I think it's rare when you do. And the first thing I would test to see if you are is I would look at that expense ratio and say, boy, in the numbers, it sure doesn't look like all for one and one for all. <laughs> it looks like sales for sales uh, and, and other people get squeezed. So, and by the way, the last thing on the prior slide was, once again, if there's a reason why we think that ratio should go from 2 to 2.7, I'm okay. But if I, what commonly happens when I say what happened I say, well, why did that ratio go up? And they'll be like, oh, um, that's just the way the budgeting process worked out. Right? Boop, 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 boop. Right? That means it was a free-for-all. So, again, I'm always in favor. I mean, things don't have to always be the same. But if they're changing, I want to know why. And if there is no reason why, I know what happened. There was a wrestling match and sales won. And if we're not careful, we're going to hire a bunch of reps who will be screaming at the support sources about how little support they get, and this doesn't help anybody. So what we want to do is kind of be all for one and one for all. I put ARR, not new ARR, because I think this is another downturn strategy. You know, in growth times, it's all about new ARR. 
right? We kind of say, oh, we, we got what we got, but we have to go out and get new. I think that may be wrong in growth times, but in, in downturns, it's definitely wrong, right? ARR is ARR because ARR is cash. And the thing we need to optimize for is cash, right? The founder of Sequoia, one of my favorite venture capital quotes, Don Valentine said, all companies that go out of business do so for the same reason. They run out of money, right? <laughs> and I think it's just a phenomenal quote to remind you that as founder CEO, your prime directive is keep the thing alive, right? Do not run out of money at any cost, right? So, because if you do, you die. So, I think that says new ARR is good, but all ARR is good too, right? I.e., I should put some money into churn prevention which we'll, we'll come back to in a minute. So, because at the end of the day, we're optimizing for cash. And I know that may be confusing, but, but if you kind of force the conversation with your exec team, say, what are we optimizing for? Rule of 40, EBITDA, operating margin, cash, which is it? In a downturn, the answer should be cash, right? We need to stay alive. So, how do we do this? I have four things to do it. And we're going to just go through a punch list in a minute because I'm not going to have time to explain every technique. But I'll give you a bunch of ideas in four groups. One, just work better together. Very important in the downturn. Two, shoot at richer targets. Three, forward deploy more resources. And four, optimize efficiency. Kind of the, the standard list of things you expect to see. So as mentioned, I'm going to do this in a punch list format where I kind of just I have a bunch of ideas on these slides. They'll be public. You can go look at them offline. Because I know a lot of you have tried a lot of these things already, right? So I don't want to walk through ideas you've already done. I want to just give you a pretty long list of ideas and go, oh, I never thought of that or I never thought of that. So, so that's kind of my intent here. So how do we work better together? I think there's two ways. There's within go-to-market, for example, where we could agree to try and get higher into the customer's org. Right, because at a downturn, it's harder to get deals approved. Right, so how do we get deals approved? We reach higher. How do we reach higher? Well, sales can help, obviously. Success can help. Services can help. You may have grizzled veterans with a lot of credibility about the problem you solve who can get access to very senior people. Right, uh, other execs can help. We can get the head of product management, right, or the head of engineering to say, hey, I'd like to meet with your executives. Right? That's an example. Well, that's, that's really company-wide in that case. Uh, but either within GTM, the first examples, or company-wide to say, we as a group need to reach higher because we know that deals are harder, so how are we going to do that? That's just one technique. Uh, another technique is use alliances to source high close rate deals. To me, at least in my experience, one of the highest converting opportunity sources is alliances. And, and boy, when times are tough, it's nice to get high converting opportunities, right? So I would say, what are we doing in alliances and how can we dial that up within GTM? The company overall, there's two things to remember in my mind. There's a bunch there, but the first one is the company is probably solving for cash. And I ran a company once where we did half our deals were three-year prepays. And a lot of people didn't like it, but a lot of people did. And we give a modest discount, and I get three years of cash. I was effectively financing from my customers. Not everyone can do this, right? It was a super high consideration purchase where, the, where they were sure it was going to work when they were done. And we actually raised money effectively from our customers, right? So, but the point for you is let's solve for the problem, and the problem is cash. Ask for roadmap changes, right? We may have a roadmap that was built assuming, just say we sell sales software, that everyone cared about onboarding new sales hires, and now no one cares about that. 
right? They care about sales productivity. We have to change our marketing. We have to change our roadmap, right? We need to say, hey, those onboarding features, deprioritize them, reprioritize, right? That slide that says the roadmap is subject to change, use it. <laughs> it is subject to change. Now is a good time to change it to better support the business. Shoot at richer targets. Uh, there's a little framework in the upper right-hand corner that I use to think about where we aim. But the basic question here is we want deals that close bigger, faster, and at higher win rates. Right? That's what you want. And if you have a data science team, you can ask them to go figure out what those deals are. And if you don't, uh, you can just go look at the data yourself. Usually, it means playing to strength, right? Existing customers, existing regions, existing channels are core use cases, provided they haven't changed, core verticals, right? That's normally where you have richer targets, bigger deals, higher convert rates. So I would assess your ideal customer profile with bigger, faster, higher in mind, right? Because anything we've done before was based on a different set of assumptions. We have a new set of world assumptions about the problems we solve, who, they solve, who we solve them for, and why they buy. And let's make sure our roadmap and our marketing and our sales are aligned around that. Forward deploy more resources. You know, a lot of times in these processes, you need to do cuts, and you need to do layoffs, and they're painful. And one of the tricks I like to use before a layoff or during a layoff is redeployment. And I think a lot of people are too binary. It's like, who do we cut? And yes, you're going to have to answer that question, but you can ask another question, is who do we redeploy? I, re I redeployed a recruiter to SDR, and they were phenomenal. I was like, you sell jobs, now you need to sell meetings. Got it? He's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it was really good. I don't think he went back. <laughs> I think he stayed in sales. Right? You could deploy a TAM to be a billable consultant. I need you to go bill. Right? I, I can't afford to carry you. You need to go bill. Um, so I encourage you to think about this as a way to preserve jobs, as a way to show that your company values people, um, so you redeploy people to roles that are more forward, i.e. more towards the generation of revenue. Always remember when you're messing around with CSMs, this is the simplest, most important math of the whole session, the cost to backfill churn ARR is CAC times churn. Right, your CAC ratio times the ARR churn. If I churn a million bucks and my CAC is 1.6, that's going to cost me $1.6 million to go get that. Right? So, and when I'm making my customer success budget, do I act like I know that? Because <laughs> most people will be like, oh yeah, clever math. Uh, and then you say, are you staffing customer success accordingly? And the answer is, oh, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Um, finally, last bullet, just these are general Efficiency improvements that I'm sure everybody is looking at. The first one, as I say, is always about churn reduction. It costs CAC times churn ARR to get that back. Why go spend that money? Why not just keep it? Uh, including roadmap changes, by the way. Now I'm back to roadmap. If there's features that are going to help us reduce churn, we need to have that conversation with product management. Right? You can move to solution-oriented sales. You can do the funnel optimizations as we talked about, but make sure you have those three things. It's realistic. There's an owner and there's a plan. You can do zero-based budgeting. In every downturn, that gets super popular. People forget about it, and then downturns happen. And zero-based budgeting is, is basically the opposite of incremental budgeting. Right? Incremental budgeting is, here's what you spent last year. Here's how much you want to spend this year. Let's talk about the delta. And that's how most companies, sadly, budget. Um, and zero-based budgeting is, you have nothing. <laughs> tell, tell me what you want to spend and on what. 
and we'll have that conversation. You know, tactically, I think sales training and enablement is always a good investment. I think deal reviews are a great way to bring people together. It's a dedicated meeting where you help Joe with his deal, and we have people from success, services, sales, and say, how can we help you win this deal? It's a very collaborative exercise. I think they're really good. So, and obviously in the areas like marketing, you want to redirect marketing. You know, I think it's a bad time to spend money on corporate branding, right, for example, <laughs> right? A, a good time to take that money and put that into funnel generation. So let's summarize this. Um, the pressure will be on and on the go-to-market team for the coming 24 months. You know, you're going to be asked to do the genius of the end, that we need to drive growth and increase efficiency. We need to beware of two common approaches that don't work, right? The Excel-induced hallucination and the kind of Lord of the Flies budgeting, right? Neither of those work. Um, we need to be in control of the business. Forecasting and pipeline matter enormously. Um, if, if you can't be hitting your plan, it's very important to hit your forecast, right? Because at least you're in control of the business. And then four different groups of ideas for how we can be more efficient. One, just collaboration. Now is not the time to turn on each other. Two, shoot at richer targets. Let's go figure out faster, higher, bigger. Forward, deploy more resources. Who can we move into a job that generates revenue or, or towards that direction? And then finally, do all the standard stuff you're probably doing to improve efficiency. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.